I want to ask you a question. If you were married with kids and you had access to 6 million other people who desired to have a strong, healthy, and successful marriage, do you think you would learn something that could help your marriage? I'm sure you could. Well, our guest, along with his wife, have created the largest independent African-American marriage and parenting site on the internet. Listen as I get him to share what he's learned from over half a million of their social media and internet followers, as well as what he's learned from being married himself in a blended family. Real Men Connect is next. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Lamar Tyler. And Lamar is one part of the dynamic duo along with his wife, Ronnie, as the husband and wife team behind Black and Married with Kids, which is the largest independent African-American marriage and parenting site on the web. Armed with a passion for empowering married couples and a knowledge of how to leverage social media, Lamar and his wife have taken Tyler New Media and Black and Married with Kids from a small personal blog to an international brand that also boasts five independently produced films and a social media presence that includes over half a million Facebook fans. Wow. Now, in 2012, the titles were acknowledged on Ebony's Magazine's Power 100 list of the country's most influential African-Americans, which also included President Barack Obama, Beyonce and Jay-Z, and Tyler Perry among its ranks. Now, Lamar and Ronnie are the parents of four children, and they live in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, I learned about Lamar and Black and Married with Kids from two of our former guests, Jackie Bledsoe and Kevin Bullard. And if they're listening to this episode, thank you guys for introducing me to Lamar. And I invited Lamar on the show to share with us the wisdom he's learned from his unique perspective as the co-founder and co-creator of the highly successful media company, as well as give us some insights on his personal journey and development as a man. So with that being said, I'd like to welcome Lamar Tyler to the show. Lamar, thank you for joining us on Real Men Connect. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You know, and I tell you, Lamar, it was worth the wait, man. It was it was um long time coming because I told you even off the air that you referred to me initially by Jackie Blesso and I dropped the ball and I started pursuing you. And I said, <laughs> I'm gonna stalk this brother until I can get him on the show. So man, I'm so glad you took time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. Like like I said, I'm just uh, honored. It's, it's a pleasure to be here, and you know, you you came recommended by some great guys. So I'm just glad they they made the connection. All right, I tell you, it's just amazing how small this world is. And and when I finally connected with you, found out you're only like 90 miles away from me. <laughs> so, so hopefully, maybe one day we'll be able to connect down there in Atlanta. So. Yeah, we definitely will be able to. Now, I have a lot of questions for you today, Lamar, but I'm going to start by, like we always do, whenever I bring a guest on the show, we ask what their favorite Bible verse is, because I want to know what inspires them in the Word of God. So what's yours, brother? Sure. So so mine, I try to really live my life by is um, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. And, you know, it's for I'm now ready to be offered the time my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. 
um, henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, right? Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only to me, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And the reason that is so impactful to me is because that was actually read at my grandfather's funeral. And my grandfather um, is really the man that had, and this, this is a, a great conversation for this, for this podcast, is really the man that had the most impact on my life. They showed me what manhood was. They showed me how a man um, uh, takes care of his family, is the f- a financial leader, the spiritual leader, the emotional leader. Um, you know, he, he really built the blueprint for me. So as I was sitting, and I think, you know, around this time, I may have been like 21, 22 or so um, when he passed, but... You know, sitting there at his funeral, just reflecting on the man he was and all those lessons I'd learned from him. And when I heard that scripture read, it really touched something in me. And I said, you know what, like like when my time is done on this earth, I want to be regarded in that fashion because those were not just words that were being read. And it wasn't, um, you, you know, I mean, sometimes people will pass away. And we we saying all kind of stuff that ain't necessarily true about right. that person. Right. You know? <laughs> like that person was a complete nut, but we like, hey, they were the they were the best person, you know, the most violent person ever, but they would never hurt a fly. They wouldn't even kill a fly, they would catch it in their hands and release it into the wild. I mean, but 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 when those words were read from the Bible, and and I thought about it, I said that you know, passage speaks to who my grandfather was, speaks to who Maurice Adams Sr. was, the way he lived his life, um, you know, a leader in the community, a leader in the church, a leader in our family. And I said, you know what, like I said, when my days are done, I want to be able to be measured, um, you know, by those same words out of, out of, out of the Bible and, and by that same measure that I measured him as. You know, and Lamar, that is great. And you, that's a perfect segue. You, know, you have no idea. You don't know my questions, but I mean, that's a perfect segue. Into because I you know we're gonna get into what you do with um, Tyler New Media and Black and Married with Kids, but I always want to find out people's story. And you still you brought up your grandfather. My grandfather was um, very instrumental in my life as well, but he died when I was only ten years old. And on other podcasts, I've mentioned that my grandfather he wanted he told me on his deathbed that he wanted me to be a good boy, and he passed away. Those last words he told me. And I said that my grandfather also messed me up because he told me how to told me to be a good boy. And he said, be a good man as well. But I knew how to be a good boy, but I didn't know how to be a good man. And he was going to be the man to show me. And you said your grandfather passed away and you were 21. So that means you had a lot of time to spend with him, at least in the initial stages um, to learn. So tell me. So we're going to segue into your story, man, about your childhood growing up. Um, what was your childhood, uh, childhood like for your grandfather to be a patriarch in your family? Where was your mother? Where, what role did your father play in this? Where, how did he fit into this? Tell me a little bit about your story. Sure. So, so my uh, mother and, and father were divorced. I'm the youngest of three um, boys. So, my, you know, and all, all sons, um, you know, they were married. They got divorced, I guess, when I was young, maybe three or four, like somewhere in there. Um, he was a, a Vietnam War vet, um, came back. And, and, you know, it's funny. I was telling you, like, my father, like, I knew who he was. Um, I knew how to get a hold of him and he was, you know, respectable in the community. You know, he, he, um, you know, once he left the military, he became a police officer. Uh, we lived in the, uh, Washington DC area, right. We lived between Virginia and Maryland. So, you know, I, I knew who he was. I knew, but, but probably around 10 or 11 years old, I think as he, you know, he got remarried and had new kids. He kind of just kind of disconnected, disengaged a bit from me and my brothers. Um, so I just kind of, begin to mature. And as I hit those kind of stages of, of learning how to become 
a young man and learning how to, you know, eventually grow into manhood. Like I said, my grandfather was the one who was there, who was always there, who you always could depend on, um, who you always could talk to, um, you know, who, who always could, you know, give you a ride or take you around town or pick you. Like he, if you needed something, he was that guy that, that could be there. But like I said, not just in my family. I mean, he was the one who was at our church. Um, the, the the head of the deacon board and and when the church's um, pastor passed away and the church didn't have a pastor for two years he pretty much ran the church while they actually looked for you know someone else I mean he was the one in you know the family that people leaned on to so you know as I was mentioning before he he really showed me without saying okay this is what a leader is he showed me the value in the things that leaders do and I think with with manhood in particular that conversation is important that we not just talk about, okay, this is what love looks like, or, you know, this is how my wife knows I love or my kids know I love. And what are the actual actions that go directly into that? So that if we didn't see that growing up, we know, okay, these are the things that I do, not just necessarily things I say, because a lot of people can pay lip service, but these are the things that I actually do that shows that, okay, I'm a man and being 34, 44, 64, 74 does not make you a man. It's more so the actions Mm -hmm. that actually go into it. Amen. Amen. Now, Lamar, I know this is kind of like a side note on a question, but as far as, you know, your grandfather passed away at 21 and obviously had a a major influence in your life. Do you ever just stop and think sometimes what would he be thinking of you right now based on what you and Ronnie have been able to create and uh, um, impact so many people? Do you ever reminisce and just think, I wonder what Maurice Adams would think of me today? Hey, all all the time, all the time. You know, I mean, that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that, but I I think about him often and all the time. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, like I said, I grew up in in Maryland in the D.C. area. Now we actually have moved and we live, like you mentioned, in Atlanta, outside of Atlanta. And he actually is from Georgia. Oh, okay. So he he grew up maybe 45 minutes from where I live at in Madison, a small town called Madison, Georgia. And as a child, we would visit like every few years, you know, we would come down. He would kind of show us the town and things like that. But, you know, often reflect on the fact that, you know, I mean, my grandfather had maybe maybe like a seventh, eighth grade education. Didn't wasn't totally truthful on giving his age when he joined the military so that he could join the military because he's actually a little bit too young to join. Right. Joined a year too early, you know, was was uh, a veteran from from World War Two. I mean, and then went on to, you know, have a full full career. Um, Like I said, was was a leader in the community. Had a home with my grandmother when he when he passed away. My grandmother still living. um, They had a home in Alexandria, Virginia, that was totally paid off. You know, so I, I mean, and this is like I said, this is a, a guy again, seventh, eighth grade education. So I look at all that and I say, you know, I have so much more opportunity than he had. You know, the, the opportunity where I had even the option where I didn't have to leave school. I didn't have to, to work to support my family. You know what I mean? Um, as a child, like these different things like that, the access to education, access to business opportunities, to the Internet, to just more information and education. But looking at how much he did with how little he was given. Just that alone is enough to inspire me and keep me pushing and say, hey, you know what? Like, I, it's, it's no way I can complain <laughs> about things going on. I don't have enough funding to start the business I want to start or to do the events I want to do. When I look at what he did with what he was given. Yeah. You know, it, it makes you think how, you know, a lot of times young people, they get on us, even our generation, us being parents about we're so hard on them, but not understanding that, wow, what excuse can you possibly give? If the people before us were able to do a lot more with a lot less, 
Exactly. You know? Now, you mentioned your grandmother. Um, how long were uh, was your grandmother and your grandfather married? Um, they were married um, at the time of his passing. I want to say they were married um, close to 40 years, I want to say, um, maybe in, you know, 30 something years. Um, and she just passed like a, a, a few years ago. And what's actually funny is that in 2010, um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll probably talk about this later, but through Black and Married with Kids, that kind of website we started, we started doing documentary films. And in 2010, we did our second doc. And it was called You Save Me. And it was a, a movie about um, how marriage had really just impacted, you know, husbands and wives and how, you know, uh, my marriage, my wife, my spouse, God placed them in my life has saved me from X, Y, Z. So uh, we had one man that said, you know, my marriage saved me from myself because I was just on a path of self-destruction. Uh, we had a wife that talked about how her marriage saved her um, from not being able to just build relationships with people, not even um, romantic relationships, not, you know, uh, uh, platonic friendship relationships. Cause she had this wall because she had all these daddy issues sitting on the stoop, waiting for daddy to come and daddy never showed up. So she was afraid to even get close to people cause she felt that hurt would come. But one of the people we actually interviewed in that film was my grandmother and, you know, hearing her tell her story and hearing her tell how, how her and my grandfather um, first met and, you know, just, you know, some of the obstacles they, they, they faced, right. And how they, um, you know, had to move from where they were living at because um, it wasn't safe or how they had to move, you know, into another area because both of you couldn't work in the home and live in those that that type of housing. You know what I mean? Like one person had to stay home, but they wanted more and they wanted better for themselves and their family. And and just hearing her tell both their love story, but the story that they had together, right, of living their life. And it wasn't all perfect by any means. My grandfather was a perfect man. My grandmother wasn't a perfect woman. Um, but just showing how, how they kind of um, were able to to stick it together, right? To have faith, um, to have the courage to overcome adversity, to overcome the challenging times um, that were going on through that time, through racism, through the civil rights movement, um, up into current days. And then not only do that, but look at the opportunities I've been given because of them. It was probably one of the most powerful, impactful times in my life. You know, that's you know that's awesome too. And you mentioned that um, your grandmother in the documentary she talked about how. She she met your grandfather and and that she just passed away just a few years ago. So she has seen you develop as a man and what and see also see what came out of what your grandfather poured into you as well. So I'm sure she was very proud as well. But you mentioned that she talked about how they met. Tell us, how did you meet Ronnie? How do you guys? I'm assuming now, and you tell me if this is correct now, because I don't want to be presumptuous on this. But your grandfather and grandmother pretty much kind of like gave you a portrait of what marriage is supposed to be. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. Okay. So tell me now, you now growing up and getting older now and you meet Ronnie. How'd you and Ronnie meet and how'd you guys get together? Yeah. So, so Ronnie, my wife and I, we actually met through a mutual friend. So it was a friend of hers that she had, you know, gone to elementary and, and middle and high school with um, down in the um, uh, Chesapeake region, uh, Tidewater region of Virginia, Newport News, Virginia. And her friend had moved up to the D.C. area and we were working together. So it actually her friend was having to together a house one day and, you know, she had some of her friends over, some of her co-workers over. And, you know, everybody was it's like around the holiday time and everybody was over. And we initially met then. That was the first time we met. Um, and then maybe a few months later, you know, Ronnie was up visiting her friend again and we, we met again. And at the time I had a, a traveling position before I became to run my business full time. I had a background in IT, I was information technology. So I had a, a traveling position. We would go around and do um, installs 
in federal courthouses all around the country. So I told Ronnie, hey, you know, I'm coming to Norfolk. I know that's kind of close to you in a few months. I would love to, you know, take you out when we come to town. Let's do dinner or something like that. And, you know, I came to town. I held up my end of the bargain. <laughs> I came to town, gave her a call. We went out to dinner, had a, had a great date. And, you know, I would normally I say the rest is history. But actually what happened is. From then, I called our mutual friend and I said, hey, you know, she's great. You know, she's so intelligent. Um, she's so ambitious. You know, I love all these things about her. But I said she lives a, a long way away. Like she, she's like far. And I'm not really about that long distance relationship life. <laughs> so at, at the time, that's what I told her, because. Was funny, and I need you. Okay, I need this is a judgment free zone. Right, that's right. Okay, (laughs) I tell you, for for I share this with the men that are listening. I had this rule, and maybe it was like I lived in DC area. Traffic in DC area is crazy. Yes, it is. So I spent a lot of my, like I said, like an hour, hour and a half back and forth each way to work is the was the norm for me. So I had this rule where basically I didn't like to date women that lived more than 30 minutes away from my house. <laughs> um, so somebody, I mean, it could be great, um, you know, sparkling personality, beautiful, you know, deeply rooted, all these things. But if I hear you live like on the other side of DC or you live like, in Northern Virginia, <laughs> or you live in my County, but if you live, like I live in Southern Park, you lived at the top of the County. I just don't think this will work. And let's just move on <laughs> about our ways. But, you know, I always tell people, um, you know, singles always say, how, how did you know, you know, that that person is the one? And one of the, one of the ways I always say is that when you're willing to do things for them that you would do for no one else. Right. And you, would, you step outside of your comfort zone. And here it was, you know, Ronnie was was two and a half hours away. And I wouldn't date women that, that were 30 minutes away. But here I was, you know, I, I, I just couldn't stay away. <laughs> I was I was attracted to her and, and wanting to get to know more about her and. Um, you know, eventually wanting her to be my wife. And, and here, you know, here it is 11 years later and I wouldn't change anything for the world. Wow. What we won't do for love. I tell you, man, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, I got to believe that um, running a company based on helping marriages and families succeed, that that also has to put pressure on you as a husband and as a father as well. Now, even though you're, you're totally um, just, um, infatuated and you're in love with Ronnie and you guys get married. I know that you guys had to face some challenges yourself and also the pressure of running this, this business. If you don't mind sharing, what are some of the challenges that you guys have been under running a, a business such as this? Sure. You know, it's funny. That's one of the things I always tell Ronnie is like, okay, let's not argue in the grocery store parking lot because <laughs> right. someone could recognize right. us <laughs> any minute. They're going to be like, look, that's the couple of blackamericakids.com. I knew that stuff wasn't true today, right? Um, I, you know, we can't trust them. But, but seriously, I mean, when we first got married, it was so many changes because Ronnie uh, moved up to Maryland um, to, to, you know, live where I was living at in Maryland. We bought a new house. So we, as soon as we got married, I think like like, I mean, like as soon as we got married, we had a new house. I took a, a new job. So I was running the IT department at the TV station in D.C. Um, maybe, I think, 11 months after we were married, we had our, our first child together because Ronnie already had two children. So we had our third child, Janelle. Um, uh, about another year and a half after that, we had our fourth child, Jody. So we always say, you know, very quickly, we had a new marriage, uh, had a new job. We had a new house, new kids. And what came that we weren't expecting were a whole bunch of new problems. 
you know, we, we had issues communicating with each other, right? Because we didn't really know how to communicate like so many couples go through. Uh, we had issues around unfulfilled expectations. And I always say that, that when we marry, we always have this idea in our head about what our role should be and what our spouse's role should be. And their idea in their head, nine times out of ten, is something totally different than what you're thinking. And oftentimes, you know, what we uh, gauge and what we have an expectation around marriage on is what we saw growing up. But what a lot of us don't realize is that what we saw growing up was dysfunction. Yeah. <laughs> but but we don't think like to us, it's just the norm. Right. And we look at our spouse like, well, look, this is what you should be doing. This is what I should be doing. And they're looking at you like like you're crazy. So. Um, you know, we had unfulfilled expectations and really the biggest issue facing our marriage was around blended families, which are, you know, step families for those, you know, who may not know. Um, and, and trying to deal with all the issues that come around blended family. And what we've learned since then is that these are issues that almost all blended families have, but nobody's talking about it. So, you know, when we went to premarital counseling, that wasn't part of the conversation. You know, we talked about money. We talked about goals. We talked about um, faith, but we didn't talk about how we would bring this family together. We didn't talk about how her kids would regard me, how what her kids would call me. We didn't talk about how we would handle discipline in the family or even what our discipline traits were. You know, I mean, like if something like you know, X, Y, and Z happened, how would you respond to that, Ronnie? Well, Lamar, how would you respond to that? And in the situation of, of me being a step-parent and her being a biological parent, a lot of times she felt like she was in the middle between me and the kids. Um, and a lot of times I felt like I was an outsider, like it was her and the kids and they had this little bubble. And especially before we had our own children, because I'm more of a disciplinarian than Ronnie is. And Ronnie would, would wonder, you know, is he just being tough because these aren't his kids? Or is this the way it is? Because I didn't have my own children before, so she didn't have anything to really compare it to. So, I mean, just so many lessons, um, so many challenges. But but really what it took was a day we had, you know, uh, uh, a yelling, screaming match. You know, she went upstairs, slammed the bedroom door, and I, I came in behind her. And basically what I did is I humbled myself and I told her, look, you know, I, I love you. I love the children. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes in order for us to keep this thing together in order for us to, you know, get this ship pointing in the right direction and for us to maintain and keep our marriage. Because in the back of my mind, I've seen so many divorces. I've seen so many couples that broke up. And I, and I honestly, you know, before we start doing this work, I didn't know how it happened. I knew everybody's happy on a wedding date and something happens between that wedding right. date and getting divorced. But oftentimes, like, you never really find out what that is. Um, so as we were going through this thing, I just always used to think, okay, is this how a divorce starts? Is this how you start to go down that road? Um, so... You know, I, I just really humbled myself and I came to her like that. And from then on, we had to really realize, OK, we, we have some issues and just realizing that we had an issue was the, the first thing and admitting it was the first thing we had to do. Then from there, we had to get help and not just get help, but be intentional about equipping ourselves with the tools to strengthen our marriage. Um, so we did that by, you know, reading books, um, getting engaged with the marriage ministry at church, going to conferences, going to workshops, you know, even saying that we say that every year we're going to do something to invest in our marriage in a major way, like I said, whether it's a conference or a retreat or something, and so that we get the tools to equip ourselves to handle the challenges that come up in your marriage, no matter how much money you make, you know, how educated you are, it's stuff is going to pop up in your marriage. You need to be equipped to handle it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I tell you, you bring up such a, a great point, Lamar, about the blended families, because I'm part of a blended fam family as well. And it doesn't seem to be a topic, as you just said, that's 
mentioned or talked about a lot. And your site, uh, if people want to find out more, uh, they can go to blackandmarriedwithkids.com because you guys have such a wealth of information and resources. But it's not a topic that's normally discussed in church. Um, and everything you're saying, I'm write down notes here, too, about even some of the steps, even though this show is not about <laughs> blended families. It makes me think about when my when I married my wife and she already had a daughter, my daughter, Faith. And I used to hear my, my wife always say, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. And I would always correct her and said, our daughter, our daughter. And it was tough for her to let go and let me because she thought, like you said, if I'm going to be tough, is he just being tough you know, because it's not his child. And it took some time to build trust. But like you said, um, we had to go through a process. And so I'm glad that that's a topic that you guys hit head on um, on your website as well. Now, and this is, a, again, another side question, too. How long did you and Ronnie date before you guys got married? It was I think we dated for nine months and then got engaged and got married 11 months after that. Or it might be the other way around. Like she might get me. She's listening. She's listening <laughs> For on some it. reason, like the women remember that more than we do. You know, my wife and I are still debating on how long it took before we got married. <laughs> See, that's, and I know like one is 11, one is nine. So <laughs> right. It's either, in between that somewhere. In 11, married in nine. I think, I think we got um, engaged in nine and married in oh, nine. Okay. I'm pretty sure. That, that's my story. I'm sticking All with. All right. And, you know, and I ask that because I'm also getting ready to transition again and say we're to another topic because we're going to get now into what I was excited about bringing you on the show about is um, your vast of knowledge and what you've learned from being in a unique position. Now, we're not saying that you know everything, Lamar, but but you have been around a lot of people. You've been exposed to a lot of wisdom. And so even by osmosis, some of that stuff has to rub off on you. But <laughs> but I was reading on your website that you and Ronnie were you said that you guys were fed up with some of the negative um, portrayals of black marriages in the media. But you know, and, and I get that because I, I see it all the time as a, a black male of seeing how males are betrayed in the media. But what was the tipping point that moved you guys from just talking about it? Because a lot of people talk about the problem. What made you guys what was the tipping point that made you guys say, you know what, Ronnie, we need to do something about this and we're going to take some action? Yeah, I think it was just a, a culmination of several things you know and I, I mean it was like some some things in our personal life like like i remember we were at a family member's home and somebody came in and said they were getting married and people were kind of looking and rolling their eyes and sucking their teeth and, <laughs> oh, you know somebody that was divorced said don't make the same mistake i made it just was and we were like what is this like like this should not be what happened when somebody comes in and is sharing news about what should be the happiest moment of their life up to this point right um and from there you know, at, at the same time, there was this huge conversation going on in the media about black men and black women and how they just can't get together and they don't want to get married and all these these things. And, you know, Dateline, it did a a, a big special called, um, you know, uh, why are, are, are black women single? Who's to blame? I tell me, like, like whenever who's to blame is at the bottom, of, whenever that's the, the subtitle, right. like, you know, they're up to no good. Right. And. You know, there were uh, articles and shows and segments on Dateline News and on um, ABC and CBS and CNN was doing black in America. And they were talking about, you know, black relationships and Russia today, Russia today. I want to repeat that one more time. Russia today was doing segments on um, why black men and black women can't uh, black can't get it right. Can't get together. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, I mean, all this sensationalism and what we found since then, and we didn't notice at the time, we found since then, right, is, you know, nowadays you're going to so many communities where people may not have a everyday image of marriage in front of them. It may be generations of single parenthood. And, 
you know, maybe grandma was single, mom was single, aunties and uncles aren't married, my neighbors aren't married. So if they don't have any real perception of what marriage looks like, the only time they see marriage is when they turn on the TV. And if when you turn on the TV, everything you hear is that, hey, if you're a black woman, you basically have no hope in getting married. So give up. You might as well just have kids, you know, live your life, try to get your money because it's, it's nobody out here to marry you. Um, it's really a message of hopelessness. So, you know, at, at that time, it was, a, it was a culmination of all those things. We were just kind of fed up. We were talking about creating a site. We said, what's something that we're passionate about? So if it starts and it kind of, you know, grows, we'll still feel like doing it five, six, seven years from now. And what it was was relationships and more specifically marriage, the perception of marriage and how it was viewed inside and outside of the black community because we said we know there are other couples like us that love each other. We know there are men in the homes not just taking care of their kids but taking care of other people's children as well. And we knew that segment of the population was just totally ignored by all the stuff going on in the media at that time. You never heard about black couples that were married, that were loving each other. And as soon as we launched, the thing began to take off and people emailed us and said, hey, you know, we've been married 35, 45 years. And we we never see ourselves represented on TV, in the movies, in the newspaper. Thank you for what you do. We had singles that were emailing us saying, hey, my parents have been married for 40, 50 years. So I know this exists. I know it's out here for me, but you never see it acknowledged or talked about. So thank you for what you do. Yeah. And Lamar, and, and I want our listeners out there, the men out there to really, really pay attention to what you're saying here. Um, because as a, an African-American male, we have a very diverse audience in Real Men Connect. I mean, from different nationalities, different cultures and everything. Um, but this problem in the African-American community is real. Um, I just I told you before we came on the air that I grew up in Liberty City in Miami. And Lamar, I grew up in a neighborhood where I didn't see anybody married. You know, and so think about how if you growing up and you never see a picture of what married life is supposed to look like, even if it's a dysfunctional picture, <laughs> but to never even see a picture of marriage look like. So when I'm looking at the Cosby show that, you know, I'm seeing a glimpse of, of a black couple being married and you would think as simple as something like that is having an image in front of you. We take for granted. And I said, we take for granted. I'm talking about now the majority of the population that everyone knows what a marriage should look like and what a, a happy married couple is. And it's not the case. Yeah, you're totally, totally. And that's exactly why we did it. You know, there was a, a major uh, underrepresentation in the media. And you know what? The, the approach we took, we said, guess what? If they won't show what positive black marriages look like and the marriages inside of our community that are thriving look like, we'll do it ourselves. And that's what we did with the website. And that's eventually why we began to create our own documentary films for that same exact reason. Wow. Wow. And that swings a lot, too. Now, Lamar, the reason I was so excited about having you on the show is because as a podcast host for just under a year, one of the biggest benefits, um, in addition to helping men improve their lives as husbands, fathers and as leaders, is how much I've learned and grown as a man myself from being exposed to so many great men. But you and Ronnie have been running a highly successful media company for nine years, dude. <laughs> nine years. <laughs> and now you're the largest independent African-American marriage and parenting site on the web. And you got, you said you just started hoping somebody would, would um, read it or look at it. And now you're talking about you've attracted now over six million readers. And you guys yes. employ more. And I think I read this on your website that you employ more than 30 staff writers. 
Yep, yep. We got about thirty freelance writers, and we have four uh, full time employees in the office that we employ as well. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about how you're directing documentaries and films. So, brother, I know you've had to gain a wealth of knowledge as it relates to marriage and parenting. So, I have several questions I want to ask you from this point forward. Now, as we go All through right. the interview. One of the first questions, and this is more, more of a, I, I hate to say a minor question, but I, I wanted to, to get your, your view on this because I write for um, a lot of different websites um, as a columnist um, on men issues and I get interviewed a lot. And I noticed that your site is not overtly or explicitly Christian oriented, but yes. you and Ronnie are believers. What role yes. does your faith play in what information you choose to disseminate and share with your audience? You know, it's, it's very important. We position our site the way it is on purpose. And the reason we did that, because what we didn't want is church talk. Right, right. That, that's what we did. We, we didn't want somebody to come to the site in the middle of the night, you know, tears streaming down right. their face because, you know, maybe my husband or wife just cheated on me. And we didn't want them to come in the comments and somebody say, you know what, you're too blessed to be stressed. Or for somebody to say, you, you know what, you know, the, the answer is in the word. Because because when I've been cheated on, I'm looking for concrete step one, step two, step three. This is how long it's going to take me to get over the pain. This is what you need to do. How do I not kill and, him? Or <laughs> it, it, Exactly, right? right? Like, like, like you think you can never trust again. Like how do you rebuild that? Those are the answers. And that's what we wanted to do is create a, a place where people can be transparent, transparent with uh, transparency with our writers to share their stories and with our readers to become a part of this community. And at the same time, for them to get fully equipped with the tools they need in order to encourage themselves. And, and that's what we, we didn't want. So, you know, a lot of times we tell if you, if you look at the content, if you look at our films, all of them really have a faith message. And even, even with our films, we don't, you know, drop, uh, you know, uh, 50 Bible verses throughout the film. What we let people do is we let couples tell their stories. And what we found is that when couples that have been through something have come through the other side, Oftentimes, the reason and what they attribute that success with is God in their faith. So what we have to do is let them tell their story and they'll profess their faith. They'll, they'll, they'll talk about, you know, uh, how they went on a fast. Right. And, and things changed, how they how they um, became better Christians, how they you know, got more into studying in the word and, and living more of a righteous life and how their marriages changed as a result of that, how they matured in God and their marriages changed as a result of that. So we just kind of take a different approach and we didn't want to be preaching to the choir is, is the other thing. You know, when we do events, we'll do marriage events and we'll ask people, you know, how many of you, this is your, your first time attending any marriage event. I mean, not, uh, you know, a workshop, you never been to marriage ministry at the church, you never been to anything. And sometimes we'll have as many as 60% of the people in the room have never been to anything, anything specifically to equip their marriages. Like we didn't, we didn't just want to do marriage ministry events for people in marriage ministries. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If that makes sense. I got you. I got you. So, I mean, that, that, that really was the point. That was a, a, a focus and specific intentional effort we made in the beginning. And I I think, you know, it's, it's worked well because we're talking to people and getting people out a lot of times that the church can't. And then when we get them out, we get them excited about their marriages. We give them hope that, Hey, you know what? I may be in a downtrodden place today, but I can make it better. And then once we give them hope, then we turn them over. You know, if we're in the church doing something, we get people from the community out and then we can say, you know what? The next step is you need to continue this excitement and get the education. 
and hey, you know, this marriage ministry here does that, or hey, this counselor, this therapist, or this coach does that. And that's really what we feel like we are as is connectors. We connect people to the actual resources and help that they need. Yeah, you're following kind of the same format I have with Real Men Connect, even though we target Christian men. Um, I've seen reviews that people write on, on our podcast that, you know, I'm not even super spiritual, but I listen to that podcast <laughs> because the thing is we're talking real talk. You know, we just happen to be led by God and how we do things. But let me ask you this. Um, I get the format. That makes perfect sense. But do you guys ever get backlash from the Christian community about you're not being spiritual enough? Oh, yeah, we get backlash really? from everybody. Yeah, I mean, pe- people say we're too spiritual. Other people say we're too. We, wow. <laughs> we're like on, on, in one in one course of one day on our Facebook page because we post articles from our website. We'll get like one set of comments. People will post uh, maybe you know ten Bible verses to pray over your husband, and we'll get people saying you know y'all too spiritual. <laughs> Everything is 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 talking about the Bible. Then the next article will be something that, that doesn't have a Bible verse in it, and we'll get you know church folks saying y'all not spiritual enough. You know where this isn't rooted in the Word. Then we write an article about men and the and the men complain and everything is bashing men. Then we write an article about how to be a better uh, wife. Wives complain. Every, hey, we can't, can't win. So we say, hey, look, we, we're just going to do what we're put on this earth to do and let the chips fall where they may. You know what, Lamar, I'm glad you said that because the obvious question would be then, so what do you do? And you have to stay true to the message God has given you to communicate yes. and how he wanted you to communicate it. You know, it's not about appealing to the audience. God says, let me use you as a tool, as a vessel. And, I'll let it get out to who it needs to reach. But you're absolutely right. You know, I keep thinking sometimes when we don't receive criticism, that means I'm not doing something right. (laughs) That's usually a good indicator that you're doing the right thing when you get both sides, you know, tell me. So that's that's good to hear. And if I can just... Just miss like like the the, the 2010 film You Saved Me, I talked about earlier with my grandma. When we first released that film... um, I know some churches didn't like because it wasn't like it's it's people like the best story in it. The most compelling story is really a story about faith. And we even kind of end it. I met like an amazing um, gospel artist, uh, Naglethia uh, Johnson, I believe her name was. And and she let us use one of her tracks. We actually end it with this gospel song because it goes so perfectly with the actual story that this husband and wife is telling about how their marriage. I mean, they had divorce papers in hand, everything, how they were able to bring their marriage and their family back together. We had churches that were like, yeah, you know, it's not enough scripture in that movie. So they didn't want it. But then when we actually uh, went, we went to a conference at Hampton University uh, specifically for um, African-American marriages. And there were a lot of government types there because um, during the time uh, when um, uh, George H. Bush or George, excuse me, George W. Bush had, he was in office. He had money tied up into what they call a healthy marriage initiative and all these grants for nonprofits and organizations to build better and stronger marriages because stronger marriages equal strong communities. The government folks were like, yeah, this is too religious. We can't do nothing with this. And what you should do is take out some of the talk about God and take out like the music and then maybe we can do more with it. So like I said, you know, if you're trying to please everyone, most of the time you're not pleasing anyone. Just stay true to who you are, true to what, you know, you feel God has called you to do your your mission, your vision on this earth and just stay in your lane. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I received from a business coach was that if God has given you a message and giving you something that you that you he's told you to go deliver. And he said, if people are not responding to the message, um, the business coach told me that don't change your message, change your audience. Mm. I'm like, wow. That's good. Wow. Because yes, yeah, if you're trying to please everybody, you won't reach anybody. 
<laughs> so, so don't wear down your message. So I'm glad you shared it. Even though that, I love that tip. That's a great tip for anybody out there who's been called to ministry or that they feel God has given them something um, to take out to the marketplace. So I'm glad you shared that. Now, yeah. and, 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 we've, and we've created a safe, a safe place, like I said, where people, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've talked to, um, you know, people that are, you know, deacons and deaconesses and, or leadership in the church or, you know, maybe they're just, you know, regular church members, but they feel like they can't talk to anybody in the church and let them know that they're dealing with issues in their marriage or blended family issues or they can't communicate or have money problems because they don't want the embarrassment that they feel will come along with it because everybody's looking at them like, hey, they're a perfect couple. You know, we, we, we do a uh, cruise um, every year, uh, our BMWK marriage cruise. And we didn't know till last day. We, we gave out some free resources to, to couples that work with other couples. And we didn't know the people signed that sheet, how many um, marriage ministry heads we had, how many ministers in the audience we had, all this type of things, because everybody was there as just a normal couple. I'm just a couple. We're husband and wife. We're here to get help. We had tools and resources. There was no air. There was no, you know, I need to be sitting in the front. Um, <laughs> you know, I need you to clear those first two rows <laughs> for us. Emphasize enough, like creating a safe space for people to really come get help and the resources for their marriage and really to, to link up with other couples that want the same thing, right? They want better marriages. They want better families without feeling like you have to be fake or you have to. Um, put on this air about you, you know, instead of just being able to just say, hey, look, we're flawed. These are the things we're going with and we need help. You know, and and I know it, it has from your perspective, what you and Ronnie see that we it's easy to look on the outside and say, wow, they have a great marriage. But people fail to see the kind of work and time and commitment that it takes to making that thing work. My wife always gets on people all the time when they, they try to um, compliment us on our marriage. And she says, you guys have no idea how much work it takes. And so even at your, with your crews that you've seen all these ministry leaders of, of marriage ministries, how do you think their marriage got good in the first place? <laughs> so they go to things like that, like you said earlier in our conversation, that you have to be willing to invest in your relationship, in your marriage. And that's you got to take that very seriously. Yes, exactly. Now, yep. Lamar, yeah. I want to jump into some some quick questions because we're getting quickly, um, we're getting short on time. We still have a few minutes and I'm still going to get to the man up questions with you. But I want to ask, what has been the biggest surprise or aha for you when it comes to now what you've learned and when it comes to one, being married and two, being a parent based on all this wealth of information that you've received and what you've seen from working with your writers and the people with the films and everything? What has been the biggest surprise to you? Let's start with with being married. What have you learned? You know, I probably say the biggest surprise is that your marriage can overcome anything. And that's something I wasn't really you couldn't have sold me on that nine years ago when we started this thing. But at this point, we've seen couples that literally have come through everything, hell and back in their marriages. And what we realize is that the difference between the couples that make and the couples that don't. Is, is number one, right? They have faith, right? And they have faith that, that God has something better destined for their marriage. But then also that the two of them are willing to do whatever it is that's required in order to save that marriage. So they're willing to get the tools, to get the help, to get the education, um, to humble themselves to each other, to check in with him or check in with her or just do whatever it takes in order to begin to rebuild the trust, rebuild that marriage. And oftentimes we see couples like that where their marriages, once they rebuild them are actually better than they were before whatever happened. Mm -hmm. And so if couples came to you, you guys, you and Ronnie, they, you'd be the last people they'll come to and say, we just can't make this thing work. There's no hope for us. They're, you're the last people they need to come telling that to. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, because, because the thing is like, like, as I always say, like the, the biggest, you know, I did a, a blog post on the site one time and I said, number one thing, it leads to divorce. And oftentimes we speak out, ask me, what do you think the number one thing is? And they'll say communication or, you know, lack of sex or money, finances. And I'll say the number one issue that leads to divorce is at least one of those spouses not willing to do whatever is required to maintain that marriage. Because if both of you are in that thing, if now that's the key, if both of you are in it, because oftentimes when it doesn't work, it's one person that's just like, look, I'm not doing anything. I quit, you know, or, or they just, they've just, you know, detached so far from it that is no bringing it back together. But if both of you are in this thing and both of you can really get your heads together and be intentional about doing what's required to save your marriage, like I said, we've seen couples overcome anything. And, you know, and I got to believe that has to um um, strengthen your marriage with Ronnie because you know you guys are still going to go through challenges, but you've seen so much and realized that there's nothing that you guys can't come back from. You know, I often um, share with couples myself that I think that the words "whatever it takes" should be added to every marriage vows. Whatever it takes, because I think I think you're on to something. Because I haven't heard anybody ever say that before. That the number one reason for divorce is one person is not willing to do whatever it takes. But I believe that that's true. I believe that is definitely true. Now, you said that about marriage. Now, what about being a parent? What's been the aha, your biggest surprise in, in working with all the people you guys have worked with? And, and it's different for me because, like I said, like, like my kids are growing up in a situation I didn't where they have, you know, a mom and a dad. Um, and both of us are there. And it's a blended family. So, like, it's, the situation is totally different than the situation I grew up in. But I probably would say, you know, just extending grace and being patient. And I probably say that's one of the hardest things, you know, again, you know, because we're in a form, we can just be real and honest. That's probably one of the hardest things for me, because one of the things that that probably would frustrate me the most is not having a dad there. Um, you know, having a, 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 a mom that worked and supported three sons on her own, like she worked hard. You know what I mean? And and with my kids having access to so much more, so much more resources, so much more time from their parents, because we are entrepreneurs, we're both at, at home a lot. And we're, you know, doing all these things with them. We give them all these opportunities to see the world and travel. Um, I, I basically give my kids everything I wish I would have had. So when they don't take advantage of it the way I, I wish I would have yeah. taken advantage yeah. of it, it's, it's frustrating. And I think that's something that is, is parents like other parents don't warn you about. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it just happens to me. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever been frustrated about no, it. No, Lamar, you're, you're right on point, man. You're, <laughs> you're right on point. My son asked me, I tell you, my son is 20, and he asked me, he says, Dad, you know, I see what you've overcome and, and all, and it has made you the man you are today. He says, you know, so you understand now that if you had the choice to do it all again, you wouldn't want to be me, would you? You'd rather go through what you went through because it's made you who you are today. I said, are you crazy? <laughs> That's all. I said, man, I'll be you in a heartbeat. He said, but yes. dad, why? I said, because you have a lot of opportunities and you didn't have to go through all the stuff I went through. But I said, but I'll always choose to have the support and the 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 love and the community as opposed to trying to do it by yourself and trying to just survive. So no, Lamar, you're not crazy, yeah. man. I'm on the same. <laughs> so maybe me and you are the only crazy guys out there, but I truly believe I would trade places with my kids in a heartbeat. That's it. <laughs> in a heartbeat. You know, and and, and that's, I think, you know, as parents, we all want to provide our kids what we didn't have. And that's my thing is like always trying to, trying to teach them. The main thing is not even stuff we give them. The main thing is just trying to teach them things that I learned on my own when I was 25. 30, 35 years old. How can I impart this into you when you're 10 so that you can, you know, go and have more resources, have more options. Um, you can have, you know, wealth and you can begin to build a legacy as a child 
and not have to make some tough decisions when you're an adult because you're not even in those places. Um, so like I said, like probably the, the biggest thing is really just patience and, and learning that, you know, extending them grace and then learning that they're going to do things their way, but just being there to love them up and still try to guide them and help them when they're ready for it. You know, cause like we have children, our youngest is eight, our oldest is 23. So we have the whole range of different issues and problems and, you know, circumstances going on with, with different kids and, you know, one's great and then they become a tween or a teen and then we deal with that, right? Then they get better and then, you know, they go through the whole college hustle with them and it's just so much, but definitely that patience and grace. Good stuff, Lamar. Good stuff. Over the past nine years and what you and Ronnie have experienced, what you guys have seen, what seems to be, and we're going to focus now on men specifically, what seems to be the biggest mistakes that you see husbands make? Biggest mistakes I see husbands make a lot of times comes to, I would say, num- number one, um, just not being open enough with your wives, um, you know, like really opening your heart, you know, opening um, your thoughts to your wife, you know, having a kindness towards your wife. And, and you know, that's, that's something even even with me, you know, we, we went our last cruise and we were in the middle of a session. I had to kind of stop and apologize to Ronnie in front of everybody in the room because, there was something she had brought to me, and I don't remember exactly what it is now, but it was something she had brought to me about like me being being more gentle in certain situations, like even with our staff, than I am necessarily with her. And I had to, you know, and somebody else said something, and they had said something to their wife, or uh, wife stood up and said something about, you know, uh, something that her husband did that she didn't like. And it really made me see, okay, this is what she's been talking about. And I kind of just had to take the time to apologize. So really just being, and because I, I think as men, sometimes, you know, we're kind of rough and tough and we got this ex- exterior on, right, that, you know, we have to kind of shield ourselves from the world. We got to shield our wives and shield our kids and, and be that protector. But, you know, just being able to make sure you take that time and and have the ability to let your wife inside of all of that. All right. And I'm going to squeeze in one more question before we get into the man-o questions. Lamar, I'll tell you, there's so many topics I could talk to you about because uh, if, if they go to your website, you could be there like, I'm, if some, I wonder if anybody's ever even tried to read everything <laughs> on your website because they'll be there for years, it seems like. Articles, yeah, man. But I want to ask you one last question before we get into the man-o questions. As far as what advice would you give to new fathers? You know, I, I probably would get the same advice that I give to men that are, you know, new husbands. And that would just be to educate yourself as much as you can and equip yourself with the tools, you know, get around other people that are positive influences, that are positive fathers, positive husbands, um, you know, read books, watch movies. Always say like in this day and age, there's no reason for you not to get access to resource and education because you don't like to read books. Guess what? They got movies. They got audio books. It's online courses. It's workshops. And and just engage, engage yourself around other people that are what you aspire to be. You want to be a great dad, guess what? Get around other great dads and you'll learn some things just by being in their presence. Wow. And see, that's a great plug for Real Men Connect. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Because I I don't want to see us use the excuse anymore that I wasn't shown, I don't know how, I don't know where to turn to. And just like what you guys have created on your website, you want to create so much information, so much material, and so many different ways to get connected that you want to eliminate all the excuses. So now it's time. It's time, Lamar, for the man up questions, our infamous man up questions, which are just five quick questions, starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P. And all they require is fearless honesty, which you will not have a problem with at all. So the question is, Lamar, is are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. And we'll be right back after this short break. 
If you're like most men in our audience, you're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is, you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site, so you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up-to-date on the latest information. Now, to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider, and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at realmenconnect.com. Guys, welcome back. We're with Lamar Tyler uh, with Black and Married with Kids and Tyler New Media. And he says he's ready for the man up questions. Lamar, we're going to make this personal. And I'm going to not ask in general sense, but specifically with you as a man, because you're still growing as a husband and as a father and you're running this successful media company. Um, The M stands for mistake. What was the mistake that you learned from the most as a man? I would say it really was just not not reaching out and getting equipped with the tools to really be a better husband when we first got married. You know, and a lot of a lot of issues we went through if we had just kind of reached out. We almost like don't know what we don't know type of thing, but if we just reached out to get more resources, more help up front, it could have saved a lot of, of, of trouble and heartache. Okay, now um, the A is attitude. I'm gonna make this specifically for you um, as your development as a man. If you could change one attitude in yourself, you kind of alluded to it a little bit before. But if you could change one attitude in yourself as a husband and as a father, what would it be? Um, it, like I said, it probably would be a exterior toughness or hardness. You know, I don't know how to exactly put that in the words, but it's just that exterior. To just be more softer and gentler, you know, with my wife and with my kids as well. Right. I was thinking because, softer and gentler, Lamar. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of times I know I am the disciplinarian, more the disciplinarian with the kids. But I know, you know, sometimes I'm like, ah, you know, that didn't come out right. And I, you know, I may have to go back and try to, you know, smooth things over. So just to kind of more have a, a open, um, more of an open, you know, commu- communication, lines of communication and a, uh, more access to my heart. Now, the end, Lamar, stands for uh, um, what's the next big thing. And you guys are doing so many things with film and with your, your website and everything. What's the next big thing you would attempt to do for God right now if you couldn't fail with Black and Married with Kids? Well, you know, I think that's really ties right into one of our big initiatives, uh, you know, for 2017. And that is really to equip more couples as entrepreneurs oh, okay. to go into business together. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we meet so many husbands and wives that have great skill sets individually, but they just can't bring it together. What we've learned is that the same things that build strong businesses are the same things that build strong marriages, right? Trust, respect, and communication. So if we can teach couples how to have trust, respect, and communication in their marriage and in their business so that they can, you know, bring those tool sets together, then they can really begin to build a legacy, a financial legacy, an educational legacy for their children so they're leaving something behind once they leave this earth. Lamar, I really think you guys are on to something with that. That's definitely something I would want to bring you back on the show to talk about. Uh, because I, I, that parallel is you just, you just put together that you're absolutely right. 
Now, the U stands for understand. And Lamar, when you were younger, what was the one thing you didn't understand about being a man, but you know a little bit better now? Probably one of the things I would say is, is probably forgiveness. Um, you know, because probably like a, a lot of, you know, men that are listening, if, if you grew up without a dad there, I was was bitter about him not being there. You know, like I mentioned before, like I knew who he was. I knew he just wasn't like past a certain age, just wasn't engaged anymore. And I think it really helped me to be a better um, man early on when I just kind of let go of all that and said, you know what? I'm tired of just being mad. I'm tired of being bitter about it. You know, I'm ready to kind of just just move on. And, and what I can see to do is be a better father for my children than my father was for me. Mm-hmm. Now, have you been able to to reconcile that with your dad now? Do you guys have a relationship at all? Yeah, you know, we have we have a relationship and, you know, we, we talk, um, you know, every now and then. But, you know, I don't really hold anything against. It's kind of like, you know, that's he made the choice he made for whatever reason. And, you know, he's the man he is. And like I said, what I can do from it is just learn lessons from it so that I don't go along the same path. And I see so many men. I think that's what we often don't talk about is we always talk about the men who don't have dads and they don't know how to be dads. That's why they're not being dads. But the other side of it is there are a lot of men who didn't have dads and are great dads because of that. And they stand up and they say, you know what? Like I'm always going to be there because my dad was never there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's learning what not to do. And that's why I tell people, I say the other part of the equation is one thing to be motivated to know what not to do, but you have to also make an intentional effort to learn what to do. And so you're right. People are inspired by not having it. I was inspired by that as well. Now, the P stands for problem. Now, you mentioned about you become softer and gentler, a softer and gentler version of Lamar. But <laughs> if as a mighty man of God, which you are, what one problem in your life do you still struggle with as a man beyond the softer, gentler part of yourself? You know, I, I, I probably would say one of the areas I'm, I'm always trying to develop more in. And it's, I don't necessarily say it's like a huge, a huge weakness, but it's just leadership. Because I'm always just trying to be the, the best leader I can be, whether it's, it's through my business, whether it's through, um, you know, just just being better friend to other men, um, whether it's, you know, being a better son to my mother, whether it's being a better husband to my wife is is leadership. And I'm always trying to figure out angles and better ways to, to do that. You know, and I, I think I'm I'm cool at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, but I want to be great at it, if that makes sense. And guess what, Lamar? You finished the man of questions. You did a great job, man. Awesome job. That was tough. That was tough. Thank <laughs> and thanks for being so transparent and honest with our with our men. And guys, we've reached the end of this show today. But don't you worry, we'll be back to do it all again next week with a new guest, with new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. And I'd like to thank Lamar Tyler for joining us today, for being so gracious with his time. Thank you so much, Lamar. I really appreciate it, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And Lamar, quickly for us, if our listeners wanted to find out more about you, um, what you and Ronnie are doing, and uh, the initiative, especially the one you're talking about, um, or finding more information about how to um, equip um, um, couples who want to be entrepreneurs, how could they get in contact with you? What would be the best way to find out more about you? Sure. The best way is to visit our website, blackandmarriedwithkids.com, www.blackandmarriedwithkids.com. From there, you can see information about our events. Um, you know, any of the major pain points that couples are dealing with, right? We have tons of resources from infidelity to communication to blended families to financial issues to working with your spouse. You know, over 7,000 articles. We do uh, regular webinars and trainings, you know, pretty much every week because we're here to be a resource to you as a husband, as a father, 
and just as a member of you know our, our global community to be a better man. And Lamar, I got to tell you, because what you you guys said, at least for me, from a ministry standpoint, is giving me something to to um, strive towards. Because I would love to build the resource that you guys have built for for married couples, and especially for men. And like you said, man, if they go to the website, they'll see, man. There's just tons and tons. You could never just use I don't know <laughs> if you go to your website. So that thank you for being a, such a great role model for me in coming up in ministry because I see that it one it can be done and so I appreciate that and to all of you guys out there please do us a favor please do us a favor guys you've made us number one on the Christian men's chart in iTunes for podcasts so go over and take about 30 seconds if you haven't already and leave us a review and rate the program it's the best way to help us um, get this program in the hands ears and hearts of men just like you And please don't keep us a secret. Keep sharing us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Dr. Joe Martin, your man builder with realmenconnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in God's grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.